Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. And welcome, and today we have the uh, CEO of Blue Door Shelters, Michael Braithwaite. So, welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. And you know, from the moment I met you a number of years ago, I thought if anyone has the voice for a podcast, it's absolutely you. Absolutely you. So I'm thrilled you're doing this. Thank you. And uh, so let's start with your academic experience first, Mike. Where did you go to school after high school? Well, I took a bit of a hard road uh, into academics. I started working full time uh, at the YMCA and started going part time to Brock University. Uh, so it took me about eight years. And at the time, the link was I did a Bachelor of Recreation and Leisure Services because I was working at the Y uh, in that field. So, okay, so you completed that several years ago or? Yeah, I, in uh, 1998, I did that. And uh, ever since, I although I, I've got to tell you that University was tough because I'm a, I'm a hands-on learner. So sitting in a lecture hall, I really, and I didn't get this at first, but I do things I sit at the front to force myself to really pay attention and not drift. Um, but it was tough, but I, I just knew I needed it. Um, I needed the degree. I didn't want that to be a barrier um, in my career. And I, I tell that to young people often now, especially, you know, people experiencing homelessness to say, you're a brilliant kid. Don't let that stand in the way, you know, get your education. You can do this. Don't let anyone shut a door on you because you don't have it. So Mike, in terms of your uh, career, you've worked with several organizations. So let's start from the beginning and work up to your present. Sure. Sure. So when I was, I was uh, 12 or 13 years old, my mom made it quite clear. I wasn't going to sit around the house anymore. Um, so I was, I always say I was voluntold. So she said, you need to go volunteer. Your brother's working at the YMCA at camps. Uh, you should go. And I was pretty bitter about it. I'm like, Hey, it's my summer. Uh, I don't want to do that. Volunteering, not getting paid. What's that all about? But it's the best thing that ever happened to me, honestly, in my career, uh, her giving me that guidance. I went into camps. I, I loved it. Um, I think I was an old soul that quite quickly, a lot of the counselors would just kind of say, hey, run it and walk off and, and leave me to do it. I loved it um, and ended up running some of the camps by 16 and, and then running uh, all the camps by, by 20, which was awesome. I, I love the camp experience, the people I worked with, and then running some uh, at-risk youth programs for the YMCA, which were cool uh, in schools. Um, then got into a bit of uh, employment with uh, people with barriers to employment and working in health, fitness, and recreation. Went from St. Catharines in 2000 to Toronto and worked along the corridor of uh, um, Keelan Finch. I worked in Scarborough. We worked in Melbourne, Rexdale Youth Resource Center. We did uh, employment programs, again, for youth at risk youth 16 to 29, really enjoyed working with the Y doing that. And then uh, went a little uh, southwest into uh, Flamborough, did more health, rec health, fitness and recreation work there, but really always just had that pull for uh, the grassroots, the, the 
you know, what really mattered. Flamborough was great because we were providing people with recreation, but it was a new suburb. It was, it was more just programming. And I remember my boss at the time uh, asking if anyone wanted to go to Hamilton downtown because it was tough, right? Tough, highest um, rate of assistance uh, because we, we did financially assisted memberships in, the, in Canada. And I said, deal me, I want it. I'd love to go there. They had a men's residence that was different and attached. I just love the challenge. I love the grid of downtown. I really have a lot of love for downtown Hamilton. So I went there, tough experience. And uh, one of the things that we did, aside from health, fitness, and recreation, that men's residence, you had 140, 174 guys living in a, a place that wasn't meant to be long-term housing, but it became that because it was what they could afford on Ontario Works. On welfare, it fit, right? So it was the most affordable independent housing. But what happens when you have 174 guys without service attached to it, without supports, it, it's not a good thing. Um, There's a lot of addictions and mental health issues and challenges there. Um, so I saw, you know, hey, this, what can happen when you don't do that? Um, and so when an opportunity came up for, I was a general manager at the Y at the time, um, for an executive director position with Pathways, which is now 360 Kids, I, uh, I took my shot and convinced them that they should give me a shot as an executive director, although I had no experience reporting into a board, which was new. Um, and I was so fortunate. That team was incredible, incredible group of people um, that I still know, like to, that are doing incredible work to this day. Uh, we did some fun stuff there. We, we worked with the region to build this new hub that had emergency housing for youth, uh, transitional housing for youth, a big... Um, home base center where they could get uh, employment help. They could go to school. Uh, they could drop in for food, exercise, counseling, everything like that full stop service. And that was a pretty cool experience. Even getting that built, working through the town of Richmond Hill at the time, which is the town of Richmond Hill and the pushback, the nimbyism working through that, but seeing the residents of the town rise up and support it and, and overwhelmingly. And it was so cool to see that. Um, that happened and so I was there for about six years and we, we had a program called Night Stop that we borrowed from the UK and uh, we did secondary housing and we repurposed some homes. Um, it was really, really cool. And I, I love my time at 360 and then I had a, a shot to go to Raising the Roof, a very small organization, but national. That was more of a think tank around preventing homelessness in Canada. I did that work for a couple of years, but I really, really missed the on the ground, getting things done, because raising the roof would build the programs and someone else would run them. I wanted to run them and have that kind of impact. And why I was in New York region with 360, I'd always seen the potential of Blue Door, what they could do. Uh, there's a great group there, huge potential. They're doing great things. So when the opportunity came around for Blue Door, I, uh, I applied, I was fortunate to get the position. And now I've been there a couple of years. And again, I'm working with an amazing team that uh, I have the privilege to work with and, and they're doing great things. And since, since then we've added uh, a social enterprise called Construct. We've added secondary housing. Uh, we, we've almost doubled our revenue in two years. We've, uh, we're looking at health supports. Um, yeah, the, the growth has been really, and we've added a podcast. We've got, as you, you're doing, we, we started, we said, Hey, how do we, uh, to people who are interested in housing and homelessness, um, how do we get the 
get them this information. No one's doing it. I didn't really even know what a podcast was, to, to be honest. I had to ask my kids. Um, and they said, yeah, Dad, no one listens to the radio anymore. This is the way we just listen to podcasts. So we, we started out with Out of the Blue, and we, we everyone said yes, which was incredible. And we just talked talk to some great people, built that up. And then the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness last fall uh, reached out and said, hey, they're a national organization with a huge membership. Said, we're going to do our own, but why would we? Why don't we work together? I said, absolutely. It's all about reaching uh, as many people as we can with this information, creating awareness and education. So we did that and On the Way Home was born and it, it's been fantastic working with them uh, ever since on uh, on that podcast. So Michael, where did the name Blue Door come from? Well, no one knows really. Blue Door's been around for 39 years. So here's what I like to think where it came from. Um, there, There is kind of a myth around the Blue Door. So in... Uh, Greece and, and other countries around that way, a lot of people will paint their doors blue because it signifies, it's supposed to ward off evil spirits or signify a safe place to call home. And for Blue Door, that's exactly what we always want for our participants is a safe place to call home. So in terms of people that come to Blue Door, there are <clears throat> children, men and women and families. Uh, we primarily serve through our emergency programs. We'll serve uh, men. We're the only um, emergency housing provider for men and for families. And um, we do at this point uh, as well youth at Kevin's place. But through our other programs, we really uh, serve serve everyone. And we've seen the biggest demographic growing uh, as of late is senior men who are experiencing homelessness. So families. Does that mean single mothers or families as a group or both? Uh, both. So you can have a, a couple with a child, single mom or dad with a child. Uh, we've served families of nine before, which as I'm sure you can uh, appreciate is, was very difficult to, to house after. But uh, yeah, families of all shapes and sizes. One of the things I found, because I visited there, as you know, was to go into the men's shelter and find out that you lock the doors at 8.30 so that they can't go back to those rooms, that you want them out doing things, whether it's counseling, um, that kind of thing. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So what you're referring to in the morning when uh, when they get up, what, what we don't want is for many, many, many years, Blue Door and many others, we saw... And we've remo actually removed shelters from our name because of the neg negative stigma. It's just Blue Door now. Um, but what we want is all our staff, our staff are now housing navigators. And so we wanted to move away from that just caretaking. Hey, Peter, I hope you're okay to let's work on your housing plan immediately. So when you get up in the morning, unless, you know, if you have, if you're not well or there's some reason, we'll work with you on that, of course. We're not, it's not, it's not, uh, a correctional facility we just want to push you to start working on that housing plan because we really believe uh the, the pathway forward is housing for all with different supports for all and different types of housing so that's what we're doing at 8 30 in the morning just getting them an early start but at the same time aren't drugs and alcohol still prevalent in the shelter yeah i think they always will will be but you know stepping away from the stigma when i talk about 
uh, you'll hear me say people experiencing homelessness, right? Because not a homeless person. We want everyone to see the person first. The people we serve, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, grandfathers, uncles, they're people, some of which have some severe mental health issues, some of which have addictions issues, some you know that, that uh, come to Blue Door, it's just really financial or, or lack of resources to find that housing because they don't know where to start, right? 80% of people in the GTA who come into emergency housing, uh, it's a one-time thing. They're in, they get housed, we never see them again. But then there's a 20% component that we refer to as chronic, someone who's been homeless, experiencing homelessness, uh, more than six months and they're a little tougher and there's, there's sometimes some complex issues there as well. And, and for a lot, 80% of youth who uh, experience homelessness will tell you it's because of family breakdown, divorce being one of the, the number one things or abuse at home. So uh, having said that, where do you get all the funding to support this kind of activity? Well, we have to be creative, Peter. You know, uh, absolutely, the government, uh, in our case, the regional government, uh, is part of their portfolio to provide um, funds for emergency housing. And, and they, uh, rightly so, look for providers like Blue Door to do so. So we receive a lot of funding from them. We also receive funding from the provincial government, uh, more for our employment programs, a little bit for the youth service we do at Kevin's Place, and federally for our employment programs, too. We also fundraise. Um, so we have individual donors. We have foundations that give to us. Our secondary housing program is one foundation that, that props that one up and, and fantastic. You know, it, it's yes, government has to do their part, but it can't be all in the backs of government. Here's the other thing too. Every few years, government changes and maybe that mandate changes and we don't want that uh, service to stop for people. So we're continuously looking to diversify our revenue to make sure uh, we can still provide service. Hence, too, why we did co Construct, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, but it's also a way, hey, social enterprise, how do we start, how do we stop relying on government all the time, start to generate our own funds with a social return as well? Now, with the pandemic, Mike, how has that impacted not only your operations, but the housing of people who are homeless? A great question, a difficult one, because it's really wide. So in the in the very beginning of the pandemic, we lost a lot of capacity, right? Because fortunately, um, at our men's emergency housing, we had mostly single rooms, but we lost some capacity in the double rooms for spacing, right, for safety. Um, and, and we saw that right across the sector, right, where people were losing capacity, where there was shared occupancy and that kind of thing. Um, and so we had to come up with uh, work with the region and other funders to open up hotels. Blue Door runs the isolation site for the region where people who um, have tested positive for COVID or uh, are getting tested can go. We, uh, in the beginning too, we moved our families into a hotel um, to move our isolation site there. But since we, we changed that up in the families are back. Um, I think it's tough too, because all those services that were out there that always, of course, are better in person where you're, you're bringing all these services in around their mental health, physical health, everything's on digital, you know, uh, digital. And that's, that's tough, right? Especially, you know, for a lot of clients who are not familiar 
with that medium or don't have, you know, and of course we've done that too. We've, there's been funds out there. So now there's more iPads and tablets and phones and different things, computers to access it, but still it's that skill set and comfort level around getting your, your needs met. It's been difficult to, it's always difficult to find housing in York region, affordable housing, but landlords aren't showing their places right now, you know, so there's virtual tours or you can't get in to see it. So that's become a bit of a challenge as, as well, uh, pushing forward too. And then there's delivering the vaccines to people experiencing homelessness with that two shot deal, right? It's a transient population. You can get the one shot and then a few days later leave and we don't see you again. So the chances of you getting that second shot, it's, it's tough. And there's a big mistrust too. You know, the most important people in their lives generally when it comes to people experiencing homelessness have let them down or they see them as, I, I don't trust anyone. So they don't really trust the vaccine in the process. So the ones who need it the most sometimes are really wary of getting that vaccine shot um, because of whatever they've heard, <laughs> you know, uh, misinformation, et cetera. So, Mike, talk about the importance of partnerships and alliances. So do you connect with Salvation Army, who are one of the biggest operations in Canada? Yeah, I mean, you learn pretty quick. You cannot be everything to everyone, um, and partnerships are key. Let's all find out which part we can bring to the table. And for someone experiencing homelessness or our most vulnerable, they shouldn't be like, well, that's Salvation Army, that's Blue Door, that's 360 Kids, that's Loft, that's CMHA. It should be very seamless. So we do work. I, what I love about this region, too, is that unlike Toronto, say, there's not thousands of players. There's a handful of us, and we do work together. Uh, we all came together uh, because many of our clients use all of our services. We all came together on something called the 200 Doors Campaign, um, which we borrowed from Calgary, and they borrowed from somewhere else where... We said, let's stop fighting each other for landlords, the landlords that are willing, let's come together and let the landlords tell us what their needs are and match them up to the organization that makes sense. 200 doors was, hey, we're gonna house 200 people in six months together. And we're gonna hire one person who's gonna share those listings with everyone. And it was, it's been hugely successful, but that, that partnership is key um, to, to making things work and to ending homelessness in York region. So the homeless population in York Region and the greater Toronto area, is it kind of level or is it increasing or is it decreasing? Well, unfortunately to get anyone who says, here's the exact number is, is not telling the truth because it's hard. I mean, especially among youth. If you ask a youth if they're experiencing homelessness or they're homeless, even if they are, they're embarrassed of the stigma, or they might not even see that. Well, no, I just, you know, whatever, I'm sleeping here. I'm not homeless, right? Because the stigma uh, of the, the the guy in the corner of Toronto with a sleeping bag and a coffee, like that's what they think too. So it's hard to get a number. The estimate I think is around uh, 250,000 Canadians who experience it each year. And we do these things called point in time counts, right? We're doing one soon as well to try and get a feel for who's out there, how many, um, what are their backgrounds? How can we better serve them? Um, but they, they capture about 20%. So in York region, we figure with that 20% figure, there's really about 1500 people on any given night that experience homelessness. And, you know, probably with all the different housing solutions together, you're looking at two to 300 um, housing units for all those people, right? So we're, we're, we have to do more. We're, we're not, we're failing them, to be honest. And so we've got a lot of work to do. You compare, you look at our population of, over a million people in York region, 
and we have uh, 160 emergency beds and Toronto has 8,000 for 3 million people. So, and a lot more rental supply too. So the, the, the answer is not, hey, let's build a bunch more of emergency housing beds, but let's get a lot more affordable supportive housing units that are cheaper and more effective. Uh, uh, you know, let's figure out how we're gonna do that. So on your website, <laughs> I looked at the team and you now have two social enterprise people. Can you explain that a little? Sorry, two social two people as part of the social enterprise? No. <clears throat> Their title. <clears throat> One is a senior manager social enterprise, and the other is a manager social enterprise. Yes. Yeah. So we, I mean, they're actually part of a larger team that oversees that social enterprise. Peter, here's where the social enterprise is born. I mean, I've, I've got a background where I've done some uh, employment programs for youth. And I think largely a lot of those programs fail because we're saying to the youth, hey, we're going to give you this job. And there's probably not a lot of meaning to it. The hours are probably not going to be good. The pay is terrible. We're not really lifting you out of poverty or preventing homelessness, right? we're doing the best we can and we got to stop just doing bare minimum. And I think sometimes we're like, Oh, problem solved. We did bare minimum, you know, no, it's not. Right. So, so in looking at that and talking with um, my friend, Marissa Preston from Leona 506. Um, and also there's a, a program called building up in Toronto. My friend, uh, Mark Soberano runs and he's, he's a great guy. Um, I asked Mark, I said, Mark, I love your program. How about coming North to steel? He said, ah, you know, I'm good in Toronto. So, all right, then, can I, will you help me start one up up here? And he said, absolutely, because someone had done the same thing for him, and it's the same thing across Canada. There's a bunch of them that all came from, <laughs> and there's a real great network partnership feel there. So we did. So we started that up, and the idea really was twofold. One was to create a program where people could come in, and after eight weeks, they're into trade unions and they're picking their trade and, and depending on which trade they pick, they're going to apprenticeships where they're paid 21 to $28 an hour. Coincidentally, Peter, that's what it costs to rent a one bedroom apartment in New York region. So they're paid decently. They love it. They walk away and say, I built that. I was a part of that. Look what I did, right? So there is meaning to it. And sometimes I'm building affordable housing, even more meaning to it. And so that's one great part. But the other piece is, we're now a social contractor. So if you said, hey, doing a renovation of my house, what we want is to compete with every other contractor, you know, great quality, great price. But at the same time, those people, those experts that are doing the work at your house, we bring along six to eight people you don't pay for that get trained, get that experience and are able to go out and be lifted out of poverty too. And the revenue used for that over time, we hope to build to a point where we could put that into building housing, creating new programs without the aid of government moving forward and to become more sustainable as well. So this is a business. Absolutely. What's the name of it again? So it's called Construct. Okay. And it's been going for six months or... Yeah, about six months. It, uh, I mean, it's incredible the response to it. And I, you know, kudos to my uh, colleagues, Emmy Kelly, who's our COO, and Alex Chang, uh, who oversees that program, Rudy, who's senior manager, you mentioned, and Scott, and, and the working team there. I mean, they, 
you know, if they didn't do quality work, if they didn't uh, push forward hard, but we've got funding for that. So we've, we've got now got funding from the federal government, the provincial government. Uh, we get jobs sometimes from our region uh, and housing York. Uh, we, we've done quite a few jobs. The Home Depot now, we talked to the Home Depot and said, hey, what about a program? We said, let's think bigger because uh, I, I knew uh, some people at the Home Depot Foundation and they're about preventing homelessness. We said, you know, there's about 10 of us across the country, right? And, and so you're national. Why don't you fund us? We can tell you that because they're funding a lot of little things. And so if you ask them the impact, they're like, well, here and there, right? But to say, we're going to put 100 youth to work in the trades. We're going to give you money. We're going to give you a million dollars to do that uh, in a year to these 10 organizations across Canada. And it fits nicely with what Home Depot, you know, that kind of, uh, with their brand. And, and so we created this program and then we named it for them. We said, how about, actually, first we said Blueprint and they said, that doesn't work because I think Lowe's has a Blueprint program. So no, we can't do it. So we came up with TradeWorks and Works is uh, W-O-R-X, right? So TradeWorks, um, so yeah, they, they, they love it. They've got a TradeWorks program. That gives money in, so you have a foundation, RBC, uh, future skills through Ryerson. I mean, they, they've, so we, we've raised a lot of money to put a lot of people to work. And Rudy, the senior manager you spoke about, said the other day, we have a 93% success rate with people coming through the program, which is incredible. And you're able to measure the outcomes. Yeah. Not just the immediate impact. Yeah, that's right. I mean, listen, and right, they should. Uh, funders hold you to those outcomes, right? They, they're responsible to the taxpayer and we're responsible to them. So that's how it, it works. And we want to look at those long-term outcomes too. At some point when we get big enough, once they go through, can we hire some of those folks back to be part of the Blue Door construction team? Okay, I want you to do some visioning now. Three years from today, what's the organization going to look like? And are you going to still be there? <laughs> uh, I'll answer <laughs> the, the last part first. I think absolutely three years from now because uh, nothing happens really quickly. And if you want to have impact, it's going to take some time. Uh, the region right now is working towards uh, a new men's housing uh, facility in Aurora. They've announced that. They have not, as of yet, said who's going to operate it. So Blue Door uh, very much would like to operate it. We've done a lot of work around future planning for that. So I see a, a great new facility, us helping the region uh, work through them side by side, hopefully, to make that happen um, with uh, also increasing our partnership with uh, Nama Res, uh, uh, um, indigenous uh, organization that's now come into York region because we reached out and said, hey, we need services for indigenous people experiencing homelessness and it should be indigenous led. So we're working with them. So I'd love to see that partnership uh, grow bigger and bigger. Um, I'd love to see something like they have in Toronto where there's uh, inner city family health team. So a health team of doctors, nurses, other healthcare professionals just for people experiencing homelessness. Peter, the number of times we have ambulances and healthcare, the cost, not just of life, but the actual cost is enormous. If we had them on site, not only would you save lives and get people housed faster, you save a lot of money. I want to see that in York region. We need that, not just for Blue Door, for the whole sector. Uh, I'd love to see Construct bringing in $5 million of revenue a year and us starting to put some of that aside uh, for building housing or new projects. So we own that. I think the future, if we're really going to make a dent and start to house people, we have to own some housing 
and be think differently. We're working on a partnership with Habitat right now. Kevin's place, our youth home, it was a home. It was never supposed to be a mercy housing. It wasn't designed that way, so it has its challenges. Small home on a big piece of land, a new market. Uh, we're talking with Habitat. Could we do 14 uh, townhomes, three-bedroom townhomes stacked there with multi-use housing, right? Some full rent, some market, um, and then have a different kind of youth program there. Not stop it, but just do it differently, and there's examples of that, right? So I'd like to see that well on its way within those three years um, moving forward. And I'd love to see our podcast continue to grow and get sponsorship and educate people uh, moving forward. And perhaps maybe we take some of these services like Construct and we move it across, uh, you know, we go east and west into Durham and Peel because those, uh, they, they both said, hey, we'd love to have that program uh, here moving forward. So lots of stuff happening. We work with Parks Canada. To, they have 40 vacant homes. They're figuring out what to do with sitting empty. We raised the capital on one of them. We did this now. And we're uh, and so not only is construct and building up doing the work, which is cool, um, we, we take an empty property. We, we don't own it, but we create 30, 40 years of affordable housing with that property, making it into a duplex. So lots going on. And I think that vision is that we have new housing options, new health options, new employment options through construct. And we've grown uh, out of the borders of York region. So, Michael, you've got a great story to tell. You're passionate about, about what you do. So I need the website and I need the podcast name so we could wrap this up. Absolutely. So if you go to bluedor.ca, and I should mention too, I be we just merged with uh, Mosaic Interfaith out of the coal. So they're now a program of Bluedor. And so now that's seamless for clients. And we took on... Uh, a new director and Rahana Sumar is incredible. I'm so proud to have her as part of the team. Um, and the podcast is called On the Way Home. You can listen to it everywhere you find podcasts or just go to the website, onthewayhome.ca. Well, thank you very much. It's a, a great story and a great organization. So thank you, Michael. Thanks for the opportunity to speak.